everyone. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for listening in. Welcome to Authentica Podcast. I am very happy to be here with you because we have another great conversation prepared for you all. And we hope that you enjoy your Navidad, your Christmas, or anything that you celebrate and that you're spending fun times with family and friends and with your dogs or any pet that you have. But uh, but I hope that you are enjoying uh, your time right now as we're approaching the end of the year. 2022 is just around the corner and it really represents an opportunity to do things that you uh, are planning on doing next year. So uh, we just want to hear what you're looking forward to do next year. Si tienes algún plan or if you have any goal that you want to achieve or if you have nothing planned, that's also fine. If you go day by day, that's just good. You don't you don't have to be overwhelmed by things. Just just to ask a question, I'm not I'm not I'm not meaning to overwhelm you by stuff like that. Um, but I'm just putting it out there. What is uh, coming for you, Gabriela, next year? Any marathon that you're running? Maybe. Oh my gosh. Yes, Alejandro. I actually just got selected into the Chicago Marathon Lottery. So I'm really excited about that. Um, and I love what you were talking about uh, plans and stuff, right? Sometimes I think it's hard to either reflect on the past year or try to plan because you don't want to jinx yourself for the next year. But yeah. I do think it's always important to like have some things that you want to look forward to. So the the marathon was amazing. And if anybody wants to join with me, I'd love for you to, to run it. Or even if you just want to run with me between now and October of next year, let me know. I'd love for you guys to do that. Um, and it was a great experience. There were a lot of life lessons learned in, in running when I ran, especially after the 21st mile. Um, and I think I, I keep thinking about that you were texting me and then it's like, never mind, you didn't answer soon enough. I'm like, dude, it took me six hours. <laughs> you know what? I, I don't know why. Uh, it's just that I don't know. I didn't know that it took six hours. I was like, she's just running for like one hour and maybe that's it. And I didn't know that you were like still running. And I was like, <laughs> it was just funny. And I, I bet you were like this guy. Um, but is, is this going to be your um, your second marathon for uh, third? Which one? It's technically my third one because the first one I ran by accident. But it'll be my first, my second official marathon. So that's something I'm really, it's a bucket list item. And I'm just really excited about it. So how many months in preparation do you need? Well, you're supposed to. <laughs> Now's a good time to be planning for October. I didn't do that last year. The most I ran last year before the marathon was nine miles. Mm -hmm. um, and I was at the starting line, you know, just like buns, jumping around, trying to get warmed up. And the lady next to me is like, oh, my gosh, how, you know, did you, did you work out a lot? How much did you practice? I'm like, nine miles. She's like, yesterday? I'm like, no, that's the most I ran. And she's like, oh, darling, you're in trouble. <laughs> But I did finish, so I was excited. Um, I think that it, it definitely makes sense to practice because, you know, imagine you maybe when you think about running 26 point something miles, you're not like that's a lot. But when you think about running more than six hours consistently, that's a lot. And it's wear and tear on your body. So I think it's just important to prepare as much as you can so that your body knows what to expect. Um, and actually, because I didn't practice beforehand, it's taken me a little bit to get back to running because my knees were hurting so bad since I hadn't like led up to the run. But yeah. but we're not here to talk about the run today. Tell us who, what we're going to talk about. What are we doing? Because we want to make sure that um, 
that we introduce our guest um, who is shaping our region through knowledge and by shining a light on challenges, issues, and successes that are here in St. Louis. And we're so excited to have him join us. Absolutely. And I'm wondering if he has run a marathon before. So that's something that we're going to ask. But uh, today we have Eric Smith. He covers the Metro East for St. Louis uh, Public Radio. He writes about many topics in the Illinois counties adjacent to St. Louis, but regularly returns to stories about environment, uh, public policy, the census, and demographics. His work has appeared in the Valleyville uh, News, Democrat newspaper, and on, on other public radio stations across Illinois and Missouri, as well as national public radio. Yeah, and we actually just met Eric recently. He came to our local station here at St. Louis Public Radio through Report for America in 2019 and was tasked to develop um, St. Louis Public Radio's coverage east of the Mississippi. Before he came here, Eric held internships at Fox News Channel, NPR affiliate, WSHU Public Radio, and AccuWeather. And he graduated from Stony Brook University in New York with a degree in journalism in 2018. So welcome to St. Louis, Eric. Ooh, yeah, happy to be here. It's 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 nice. I I enjoy. I definitely enjoy being here. It's uh, didn't know what to expect coming coming there in, but I've made a couple moves to to places that I didn't have as much of knowledge uh, as much knowledge about before. So I was I knew what to expect as to like expect uh, to be surprised, and you know? I have been, but it, good surprises. I'm curious to know, um, now that you've been here in St. Louis for a period of time, what has been your experience? But be before we jump into that, um, share with, with the audience, who is Eric and how do you get to St. Louis? Oh, who who am I? That's a, <laughs> that's a deep question. Um, I guess I would say you know, I'm uh, some born, born and raised in the United States. I grew up in Colorado, Northern Colorado. Um, was there for 18 years and then went to New York for, uh, for college. Um, it's funny because when I went, you know, Stony Brook is not a university that's well known for its journalism program, although I think that it is a very good, uh, rigorous program. The, I originally wanted to, or thought I wanted to be, um, a physicist. So that mm -hmm. school is really good for, for, um, in, in those types of programs. And then very quickly, um, even though I would like excelled at the classes, it was just not, it was not um, where my heart was. And the, the journalism class that I was taking, it was like all about media and consumption and like, uh, how do you, um, how do you actually craft a story, you know, really just to try and understand what, uh, building better media consumption habits. And I was like, this is so cool. <laughs> and so mm -hmm. I switched to wanting to study journalism and never, never looked back. Um, you know, but, but outside of my work, I really enjoy, uh, I guess, you know, growing up, I was active, um, did competitive gymnastics, did uh, track and field. Um, and now I try to maintain that activity, whether it's through running or whether it's through, you know, other, other kinds of things. I really enjoy like hiking. Um, I guess I would say one of the most surprising things to me about St. Louis or the St. Louis region is like how much opportunity there is to, to get into green spaces. That's mm -hmm. like, I know it's something that 
the area is like known for, but it's different once you get here and you're like, oh, like I can go to this park, I can go to that state park, I can go to this place in the county, I can go to this place, um, you know, within a you know 45 minutes or an hour drive. There's just the abundance. It, I love it. It's beautiful. Um, and actually, you mentioned running. Have you run a marathon? I have, have not run, run a marathon. marathon. <laughs> Would longest... you like to run a marathon? No, thank you. <laughs> it's it's a lot. It's a lot. No, I've the longest race that I've ever run is a 5K, and I I, I might do like a 10K at some point, but the, short, the shorter ones are I. It's that's 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 what I enjoy. The shorter ones. I might have to ask you to do some of those runs leading up to the marathon, then, since I know you're you're tempted to do a 10K. Sure. Yeah. That would, that would be great. I go, I go, um, I go running with my reporting friend who's at the, the news Democrat. Uh, usually every week we, we make it out to, to, to go running. Um, and it's, it, it's really nice. It's a, it's an activity that when I was younger, it was like, this sucks, but now it's a little bit, I don't know. After you, after you do like a 30, 45 minute hour, hour and a half run, you know, however long it is, like, it's a good sense of accomplishment, I think. It is. And it's always better when you run with a friend. So I will definitely be calling you. Mm -hmm. um, but one of the reasons that I that we wanted to have you on here is because you uh, recently published on St. Louis Public Radio an article that was the first time St. Louis Public Radio has ever done something in Spanish. And so that was, of course, you were speaking our language, literally. Um, and, and we just thought it's so important that you're looking at that. How did that idea even come up or what were you thinking? Yeah, I, I think um, I was always going to write an article about the growing Latino community here. Uh, that was one of the things that my editor and I just had identified in, in, in a very top level look at the uh, recent census number, like the results of the region. And so in that first article, we, we hit uh, a couple broad strokes about, you know, multiple communities when it came to the black community in St. Louis, the Latino community, the Asian community here. And we wanted to dive deeper into those uh, specific uh, topics that we had hit in that first article and, and growth um, in the growth was, was one of the stories that, that we wanted to, um, tackle. At the beginning of, of the reporting process, my colleague Brian Munoz reached out to me. Um, he's our photographer and he wanted to know just a little bit more about like, you know, what are you, what are you writing? What are you thinking about doing? Um, Brian's from Fairmont City. Uh, his, his parents are from Mexico. And uh, in that phone call, we were talking about like images, you know, what's the feel of the story so that he can know what, what he's gonna be working with. And, and, and he actually said to me, I think we should, I think this would be really good to do in Spanish as well. And so um, I give a lot of credit to, to, to Brian for, for coming, uh, for, for just saying that, you know, this is, this is, I think we should do this. And when immediately when he said, um, I think this article should also be in Spanish. I went, yes, a hundred percent. I'm, uh, that is a perfect idea. Um, and I'm going to make sure that I do everything that I can to make it happen and make it be a, uh, a really high quality 
story on, on that on that end, especially because in in past reporting, I had heard from you know different people about the you know acute need for more news and information and and just overall reporting to 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 go into multiple languages, not just Spanish, but other other languages around the region. If you look inside the Asian community too. Um, there is there are issues of language access there, so this was a I thought this was a, a really it was a really good chance to try and uh, and do that uh, at first and um, make it so that it's not the last the last time that it that it happens. I think that those types of you know making an effort to you know figure out what kinds of stories and what kinds of coverage are are important for for people to read in their own language and what they grew up speaking and reading. Uh, I think that's that's really important, and that's how you build a better, you know, you, you get you get better stories that way because you're not just, you know, translating a, a story that might have appeal. You're actually mm -hmm. taking steps to make sure that you're engaging with the issues that you know people uh, who are in the community actually really care about. I think yeah. that this um, um, story, you really understood uh, the uh, the impact and the importance of sharing data and sharing uh you know the the facts uh that are going on in our community but then you're also in this work of lifting the community so it was there something that you learned from going through the process of doing the research and learning about the census and the and the results and what how does that look like in the community was there something that you learned that you were like oh my gosh i'm taking this um, um you know uh, uh, knowledge from me from now on i think the biggest thing, and this came up in a couple interviews, I know it came up when I spoke with you, Gabriela, it was the, uh, the, the, the modal age of people in the region. And so that's just, you know, to, if you don't, to, to take it down, like, that's just the, when you look at uh, a large set of numbers, um, you're just looking for like the most common recurring number, you know, how many, how many times, you know, the, 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 the age that appears most often. And for, uh, as the census defines it, um, the Hispanic population in the United States, and then if you drill down for St. Louis, the most common age is like nine years old, 10 years old, 11 years old. I thought that that was fascinating um, because if you think about the future, you know, with the, the census, you can think about the trends as what has happened uh, as, um, you know, signposts of what of what a community looked like in over over a decade period. So if you take 1990, 2000, 2010, 2020, you can start to interpret what 2030, 2040, 2050 might look like based off of um, the numbers that you see. And so realizing that a large part of the Latino community here is, is young, I mean, 10 years old, um, that is what I will take forward for sure because in 10 years those people are going to be 20 and in 20 years they're going to be 30 and and when you start to look at it that way then it shifts how you think about what the region might look like and and then i can start to ask questions of like all right what do we need what is what what's missing what uh how can business leaders or cultural leaders or political leaders, you know, what are the types of things that they, that, that they should be paying attention to um, so that this group, this population group that we know is going to be uh, growing, 
and 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 will be larger in the coming years just to make sure that that we're doing enough to make sure to that they're not left behind or that they're not falling into cracks or that you know there is more uh support that can be um you know dedicated yeah no i think that that's really key and i don't even know how many latinos how many of us actually know that the population in st louis is so young um, and like you said, it's so important because when we look at when will they turn 18, right? When will they have that buying power? What does that look like? Um, and that was one of the reasons why the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce started the High School Hispanic Leadership Institute a couple of years ago, I think five, because we realized we couldn't wait until Latinos were professionals to start to provide any type of leadership model or leadership development. So I'm glad that I'm glad that that was something that was impressive for you. I actually had a question too, and also a comment about that you mentioned um, when you were doing the interviews in Spanish for this piece, it was important to you that we share the concerns and the successes of this growing population in the Hispanic community in St. Louis in English and Spanish. And one of the things we even talked about during that was the questions were different, right? Because if we had had just a translator, everything would have stayed the same. But in reality, the way that you did it, I thought was exceptional because the, not only did the questions change, but sometimes the answers changed. And so to me, that was really important that, oh my gosh, like language access is not just about the language, but also the culture and the meaning behind it. Um, so I, I just want to say thank you for, for really diving deep to do that, because now that required a whole set of, a whole new set of everything, right? You had to do double the work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think that that's, you know, it, it, that's very, very true. And I, I think, you know, what is not necessarily obvious is like those, you know, being able to, to be there and, and listen to the, to the interviews happen in, in both languages. Um, you're right. The, the way that you express an idea in Spanish is very, it can be very different than how you express it in English and you'll use different words or you'll come up with a different, um, anecdotes um and those are the those are the things that i think make uh writing an article them it, 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 it that's what adds texture and vibrancy and color is like the the specific kind of way that you describe something so being able to to hear essentially the same interview but in a different language it brings a different understanding a different thought about how to for me to formulate the formulate the story so i'm like i'm 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 sitting here and listening to, to what somebody is telling me um and while an interview is going on probably it's more subconscious than than conscious but i'm thinking about like trying to make the connections of like this is what gabriela said how how does that relate to what luis Nail said how does that relate to what julio said and and where are the where are the similarities and and how can i craft a story that that connects those dots but in a way that um i mean when you're reading it it should it should feel effortless which is very hard to achieve i think as we we're talking it really shows how your work really connects and affects and does uh, uh, creates change in the community is this something that is so when you're writing or when you're working on a piece, is this something that you are also um, uh, thinking of doing when you're doing a work? Is your work one that you want to create change with, create awareness with, 
how do you approach when uh, um, a piece when you're doing it as you're building it? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think the the, the biggest thing that that I think about when I'm writing a piece or or formulating it, talking to my editor about which sources we're going to you know I'm going to reach out to. That that's a lot of it too. Is is having conversations beforehand about like this is the direction I want the article to go in. And so I'm going to reach out to this person and I'm going to try and find this um, type of person, this type of experience to highlight. Um, and so that pre-reporting is really important so that when I turn in my draft, my editor is not like, what the hell, this is not what we talked about. <laughs> um, but I think when I actually sit down and start writing, the most important thing for me is to make sure that I am representing what somebody told me um, exactly how they they said it to me and it might be a little crazy I think my, my colleagues think I'm a little crazy for this but I will sit down and and listen to like 90 to 100 percent of all the interviews that I do you know front to back uh, and and transcribe what they said it's I'm not gonna do like word for word you know every you know because there's a lot of uhs and ums and 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 parts of uh of an interviewer, it, it's not conducive to writing for, for radio or for, or for the web. But those little bits, the, the inflection, the tone, the, uh, the pauses, those give a lot of insight into how someone is feeling and how they relate to the question that I asked and, and the information that I'm sharing. So there's a lot of little details in there um, that I feel like listening back to, I can kind of internalize them and, and understand when somebody says, uh, you know, we we need more support or, or this is something that is, is very, very important. Um, the actual quote, I feel like I can back up with the real intent and the meaning behind what somebody said. And, and so like that is what, I, what is front of mind. I want to make sure that when somebody speaks with me, that I am representing what they said to me. Uh, as what they said, and you know, the, the, my biggest fear is that I'll write something, and someone, and the, a source in the article will come back and say, "This is not what I, this is not what I told you," and this is, you know, you misrepresented me. That's like, that is my biggest. I don't want that to ever happen. Um, and that's my biggest fear too, Eric, because I feel like my experience with some reporters in the past has been. That's what I said, but that's not what I meant, right? So the way it's actually the final cut comes out, it makes me sound different than what I actually meant, even though I did say those words. So mm -hmm. I appreciate that about you. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, that's, it's just, I, I never want to get that message because that, that will, that's it. To me, that, that means that I failed at, at what, I was, what I was supposed to do. I think to answer um, more of your question, Alejandro, the, I do want my articles to affect change, to, to give people a new sense or a new understanding or a new idea, um, you know, illuminate something that may not have been uh, well known before. But all of those are, are, are definitely secondary um, to just representing what people, what people told me and being authentic to, to, uh, to those stories. I think it's a, you know, I think the moment that, as a journalist, the moment that you start, you know, trying to think like, what kind of, how can I um, 
how can I affect change? You know, how can how can my work um, do something or, or provide or or um, you know be be bigger than itself? I think that it's you lose what makes journalism so um, powerful and important, which is just being able to talk with uh, talk with normal people, real people about their experiences, and then also for those who decide that they want to be representatives you know, holding them to account and making sure that that what they're saying is is matching up with their actions. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I always want I always want my work to, to be to, to have an effect on people and to, and to help them think differently. Um, but it's not, I don't usually think like, I want people to, I don't, I, there's never a like hidden agenda of like, I want people to, to change their mind about this. I mean, so like, I guess maybe like there there are some things I guess, but when it comes to like stereotyping and and that type those types of things, I definitely want to myth bust around that. I want to provide a uh, an article that is um, or an experience or, or or a story that that will bust those types of misconceptions. And I think actively about those. But um, when it comes to like advocating for a certain policy outcome or 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 something like that, that is not not at all what I think about. And are there any specific challenges in the regions that you see that you would like to highlight or any projects that you could share with us that you're working on that we could look forward to? Yeah, I well, next week I'll have a, a story that is similar to the feature on um, growth in the Latino community, but we're now focusing on the growth in the Asian community here. Um, I think in that story, there are, there are similar threads in terms of that is a that's a community that is very, very culturally, culturally diverse. There are many different um, people from different countries, different ethnicities, different backgrounds, um, different cultures. Um, I, th I'm, I, think it, I think it's coming together uh, well and it'll be an interesting look. And I think looking, looking forward, I mean, we're doing uh, some longer investigate investigative type reporting in the wake of the tornadoes that hit last weekend. I'm just wanting to make sure that, you know, does um, do Missouri and Illinois have proper regulations? Do they do they need to have anything? Maybe do they need to make updates to make sure that um, more people can be uh, can be safe and that we can avoid fatalities? And I think you know also. Uh, uh, returning to environmental justice issues will be something that uh, will happen for me, at least in, in the beginning of the year, um, that we're talking about areas in uh, North St. Louis City, North County, East St. Louis, um, Cahokia, Centerville. Um, I would love to get more, um, more stories about environmental justice issues that, that affect communities outside of the Black community. Because I'm sure that they're here, I'm sure that they're um, that they're present. I just haven't been able to tap into that, and I think it's it's not to minimize what is happening to Black residents, which is awful, um, and and has been happening for decades. Um, but I think all I think at the same time, when you think about a an environmental justice community, it doesn't just mean. Um, North City or East St. Louis, it can it can mean places where, you know, a a lower income maybe immigrant community is being taken advantage of, and I, I 
I don't like that. I want to, to write about how these communities are coming together to fight against that. So, so many topics to cover, so many issues, so many successes here in the region. How do you choose which story? Are you open for the public to share with you ideas, leads? And uh, if so, how can people submit or, or connect with you? Yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of it is talking with my editor on the phone and saying, what are we, what are we focused on? What, are we, what kinds of stories do we want? Um, uh, some, sometimes there'll be like, city council meetings or like this will be interesting that we want to that we want to keep an eye on um and other times it's a lot of it is just talking talking with people and, and getting you know um asking you know what do you think is important what do you think i should be um on the lookout for is there anything interesting that you think is happening you know i love to get um i love to get emails from from people about what uh things that they think are interesting or, or deserve um deserve coverage i mean sometimes you know sometimes like specific specific events of like oh we're, we're like we're we're doing this you know you know like a i guess what just came to my mind because it's like the christmas season is mm -hmm. like a, a toy drive you know that kind of a thing uh is hard to turn into a story on my end um but those types of events usually if if i go to them you know you get to talking to people and then and then they'll share something that's really interesting that is that is happening in, inside their community but i mean usually at the end of all, all of my interviews i'll say please hold on to my contact information if there's something you hear about if there's something you see you know just drop a line you know i'm on, i might not be able to cover that but if it's something that i think really is important for us to have i will advocate to my editor that we that we have somebody on it I'll, i will reach out to my colleagues i'll say here's a here's an interesting story you know you could talk, you could talk to this person this person that person about um about what it is but i i think in terms of um the selection of topics it's a push and pull between what's going on in the world and 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 what's happening nationally internationally that we can tap into and then trying to find um you know interesting takes or, or new ways to to represent um a, a a topic that has that has been written about before um i think i usually try to let my my sources drive my coverage so i'll you know i'll regularly check in with with or i try to regularly check in with a couple different people just to say like you know what are you seeing what are you hearing is there anything that that um that mm -hmm. makes sense uh for me to write about let's um let's let's figure it out sometimes it was like events or you know town halls or or things like that that they might not be a be a story in and of itself but i'll go to it and a, and a, and a greater story will will blossom out of it yeah so it may happen it may not happen who knows but they can send you an email yeah. and um, your email is appearing on the screen for the ones that are list only listening it is e s c h m i d at stlpr.org and Maybe happen, you may not, but you know, you just gotta do it. You just gotta try. <laughs> yeah, that's great though, uh, Eric, that you're open to that. So thank you. And Alejandro and I are trying to implement this new format where we do a rapid fire at the end of the interview. So we just sure. ask you a question and we just, you know, respond so that we could get to know you better and our audience can get to know you better. So 
we'll just trade back and forth. But do you like texting or talking? It depends. <laughs> <laughs> it depends. I like if it's a if if it's like um, you know just details about like this is happening here texting all the way but like I I, I really like talking on the phone. Favorite song at the moment. I'm sorry. Favorite song at the moment. Oh, hmm. I've been really liking a lot of this um, artist. Her name is Lily Lewis. She's out of New Orleans. Um, I don't know if I have a favorite song, but I've been listening to a lot of her 2019 We Belong album. It's really good. Perfect. What about, what are you watching on Netflix or, or any platform? What are you binging right now? I am binging Ink Master right now. <laughs> it's, a, it's a reality TV show about, uh, it's like a competition between different tattoo artists to see who's the best one. And oh, it's, yeah. it is, uh, there's a lot of drama in it, and I, I, it's been very enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you need that mindless TV, right? Mm-hmm. How about invisibility or super strength? Ooh. I think invisibility. Nice. Nice, nice. And what advice would you give young Eric? Hmm. I think... I mean, this might be cliche, but just like, you know, can, don't, you know, don't compromise on, on who you are. Just, you know, be who, who you are is great. And, and, you know, don't, don't let other people get in your head about, about what you should or, or shouldn't be. Uh, it took a long time for me to really learn that and then even mm -hmm. longer to internalize it. And I guess kind of among those same lines, at the end of our conversations, we like to ask this question to all of our guests. What does authentic, authentical mean to you? That's a good, that's a good one. I mean, I think to me, authentic or authentico, it, you know, without, it means like, you know, to like without facade, like with your, um, I guess I would say like moving through the world or, or, or doing, doing something with intention, you know, having, having your, your, having your words and your actions line up and, and then that also means that when there are, uh, when there are issues or like, you know, you mess up, like owning, owning that, um, being, you know, occupying your, occupying your skin and your space, uh, and not, not compromising on the things that are, that are important. Like it's, I guess it's, it's kind of hard. I like, I think the not fake, you know, mm -hmm. so when you, when you say you're going to do something or you say that you are this type of person, then you are and you, you follow through on those types of things. And if something, you know, gets in the way or you like get sick or like, you know, something you overcommit or something like that, being able to own up to that and say, look, I, you know, this is still really important to me. You know, I'm, you know, taking responsibility. That's, that's a big, that's a big part of it too. Yeah, um, I like that two part, right? You have to do what you say, but also if you don't, because we all mess up that you own it. 
So thank you so much, Eric. We really appreciate your time. We appreciate all that you're doing um, in St. Louis through media to, you know, bring attention to the things that we care about, especially for us, the Latino community, our progress, our successes, and, and also our challenges. I think that that's mm -hmm. also important. So thank you so much. Alejandro shared your contact information. Any last words? Uh, I look forward to everything that we'll get to cover in, in 2022. No, I, it's, it's a, it's an amazing opportunity, amazing job. I, I love the, the best part of every day of what I do is getting to talk with people and ask them about who they are, why they are, um, you know, the things that are, the things that are important, you know, the, it's, uh, it's a great privilege to be able to, um, to connect with people and, and have them share their experiences with me. It's um, not something that I take lightly. It's something mm -hmm. I really do cherish. And I think it does reflect on your work that you are very passionate and you and you believe in what you're doing. And uh, one of those is this article that uh, led us to to connect with with each other. So thank you so much for joining us today. We are um, so excited for what you have uh, coming next, and uh, we'll be we'll make sure to stay up to date with what you have to share. If you want to read the articles and uh, everything that Eric puts out there, you can go to stlouispublicradio.org and find um, his work. Uh, also, his email is appearing on the screen if you would like to reach out to him. Eric, thank you so much for the, for your time, and we wish you the best. Thank you. So yeah, you're welcome. First of all, I hate when like, people are like, thank you, and then it's the thank you back. <laughs> you're welcome, and thank you so much for the opportunity. I, I really I really do appreciate it. It's, it's you know, wonderful to stay connected with both of you. Amazing. Awesome. Well, Thanks, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Remember, we want to hear from you. So let us know what you think in the comments. Awesome. Bye-bye.